Are we blessed to be a congregation? We can have a trombone duet. How often does that happen? Wow. Dang. One good trombonist is a great benefit. Two. Holy cow. Well, it's great to be with you here this morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Bill, and uh, uh, it's just uh, it's wonderful to be with you. Some, some weeks as I prepare uh, the message for Sunday, Sunday morning, unusual things happen uh, that don't necessarily always happen. And it, God seems to be using them to get my attention. And this was kind of one of those weeks. But the strangest uh, time that that ever happened was when I was a pastor in Riverside County, California, out in a desert community. And the church was located in a, an area that was surrounded by very dry fields. And they were turning this whole area, uh, Audie Murphy Ranch, it was a huge area of land. They were turning it into a large subdivision. And so DC-10s were all over the place moving dirt around and kind of kind of uh, pushing, pushing some of the wildlife, I think, out of their homes. And they were scrambling around. And um, so what was not uncommon for us in, to see in the parking lot coyotes running by or even a bobcat occasionally... Um, I, I remember uh, seeing a roadrunner. I mean, it was just, just just like going to the zoo, just come to church. And uh, I even we even had a. Um, I, I remember very distinctly in the old chapel of the church, uh, there was a parents meeting, maybe half a dozen parents or so, is a youth meeting, and we're all sitting there concentrating on the youth pastor who was standing up in front of us, and just walking down d- down the aisle very nonchalantly was a large tarantula. And he was just moseying down the aisle like he was coming to church for a wedding or something. And all of a sudden, everyone turned, saw that my wife was sitting next to me and her friend and all the ladies. Ah! And, and uh, the, what was really funny was watching the youth pastor take a, a, a regular piece of paper, a couple of them, and try to scoop him on the paper and then juggle him along as he went outside to, to put him outside. I got so frantic here, I dropped my microphone. That was kind of funny, but, um, you know, my wife says I can be funny without trying to be funny. Anyway, I remember on one Sunday morning in particular, uh, it was my time to preach. I was the associate on staff, and um, the passage that week was from Luke chapter 10, and uh, Jesus had sent his disciples out on a mission and a short-term mission, they came back, and they were, they were debriefing the mission, and Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And so before worship that morning, I went into the men's restroom, and there right in the middle of the men's restroom, the floor of the men's restroom, was a scorpion. And... I tell you, before and since, I have never seen a scorpion in the wild. And so I did what any good God-fearing pastor would do, and I put my foot up and I squashed it down on the ground, uh, which, which is in keeping with the word here, <laughs> trying to follow the word of God. So this week, uh, I didn't have anything quite as dramatic as that happened, but I, I did on Monday. Uh, Jenny and I are, are moving, uh, to, moving, and I was moving a heavy box, and I tweaked my back just a little bit. And of course, it would be ironic that um, it would be on a week where we're talking about, does God still heal today? 
And so my, my initial thoughts about healing were, thank goodness for ibuprofen and heating pads. And then, um, but then as the week progressed, I thought about the Lord kind of laid on my heart, um, how fearfully and wonderfully made we are. Uh, because the body has this uh, recuperative ability that given time and uh, care for ourselves, our, our body will often restore, you know, restore our health, which is such an amazing thing. Um, so I was very grateful for that. I, I was also grateful, uh, began to get a very grateful spirit that most of my life um, I've enjoyed really good health and I'm thankful, so thankful for that. And uh, I, I sometimes so take it for granted because the times when, when maybe I'm not feeling so well or I accidentally hurt myself, I'm kind of a, kind of a baby, you know, and, uh, because I'm not used to that. But I can go to the doctors usually and they can take care of that. So again, I just found my spirit very grateful that I've enjoyed good health. And I, I thought about Psalm 103. Uh, that came to mind during the week, which says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who heals, uh, who, who uh, forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. And I, I thought to myself how blessed we are to live in this day that we live in. That all of the different vaccines that have been developed and the medical cures that have happened over this last generation. That have saved uh, literally millions of lives. So we, we live in a very blessed time. And so as I begin to launch out on this discussion, does God still heal today? Um, it's kind of, a, it's kind, of a, a kind of a laughable question, really, because God is constantly healing. He's constantly healing and renewing our bodies in so many ways. Um, he heals our body naturally when we get sick or we hurt ourselves. Healing will often take place by itself. Uh, we also have our good friends, the doctors that we could go to, who prescribe us things that will alleviate symptoms and take care of colds and different things that we struggle with and then of course surgical procedures that are amazing today things that they can do today that they weren't able to do 10 years 20 years ago that prolong people's lives for a long time so we are very blessed and I also thought about how blessed we are to be able to have counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists and different people that heal the emotional our emotional brokenness ministries like celebrate recovery um, so we really are a, a blessed people. And yet, I find as we, we ask this question, uh, does God still heal today? There, there are often uh, lingering questions in our minds that we quietly talk to ourselves about and talk to God about. Like, God, why don't we see more miracles in church? Or, um, God, why do you heal some and not others? As Megan pointed out here this morning. And, and we have to be honest, and we, we have to say, well, we don't know. We don't know why healing isn't 100% here on this earth. We do know that mortality is 100%, and we praise the Lord that we have everlasting life in Him. Uh, but at, we're going to grapple with that question a little bit this morning, because number one, we, have, we need to be people who are remain faithful to the scriptures and have faith in God's power to heal. Now, I know that in our culture, a lot of times, we don't think of God first necessarily. When we get sick, we call the doctor and we schedule an appointment and we go in and see the specialist when we get sick. And oftentimes, it's kind of a last resort sometimes that we go to the Lord in prayer. But we need to have faith that God heals. And 
So I want to give you a little heads up this morning because uh, we're, uh, worship's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to talk a little bit from a passage and then we're going to have a time of, of, of healing. We're going to have a little bit of a healing service and we're going to invite up the, the elders to come up and pray for any of you that would like prayer for healing. Whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, or what have you. Whether it's very small, you think, or whether it's a, a big deal and you're feeling desperate about something, we want to invite you to come up at the end of our service today for uh, a, a time of healing. And we're going to invite the rest of you that maybe don't have that sense of needing a prayer for healing today. We're just going to invite you to, to stay and be in prayer as people are coming up. Because um, I, I found here with a congregation uh, like Chapel Hill this size that really there are not very many people that come up on Sunday morning that, for prayer. And I just want to pray right now. I want to prepare you and just ask the Lord to give you a, a spirit of courage and, uh, and, and take away that fear that you can come up and realize that you have a body of, of elders who love you as the Lord loves you and people on the prayer team that love you too. So I just want to take away any of that uh, inhibition we might feel about coming forward for prayer. Um, as a pastoral staff... I want to unequivocally affirm that God does heal today. In fact, healing through prayer is part of the normal Christian life. Healing is a normal aspect of what it means to live under the reign of God. And it is true that we live in a fallen world where illness and suffering and pain are just part of the fabric of everyday life. This is true. Yet, we believe... That where Jesus is lifted up as king, God's presence and power are here through the Holy Spirit to heal, to save, and to redeem. In fact, I'll, I'll share this story real quickly. On Thursday, we had a situation where a man just came up to the office and he said, I have got to talk to a pastor or to somebody and just accept Jesus. He was so under the conviction of the Holy Spirit lives and works close by here, actually attends church at another church in the community, but he'd never taken the opportunity to actually tell someone else uh, that he believes in Jesus. And he felt such conviction that, I, I don't know if he chose the closest church or he intentionally came to Chapel Hill, he knew about Chapel Hill, but he walked up and he just, we, we prayed with him to accept Christ. So the Holy Spirit is at work all around us, all the time, He's present here now to heal, to redeem our lives, and to, and to save people. And sometimes we don't give the Holy Spirit enough opportunity, uh, stillness and waiting, for people to be able to respond to that. So we're going to do that today. Our New Testament reading comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 26. The next day, as they were, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say this. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, 
Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teacher of the law heard this, and they began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered, and he said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus said. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, I pray that you just un- unlock your word to us today, that uh, Uh, you would increase our faith as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, at the beginning of Mark 11, we see Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the crowds are going wild. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and they're throwing down their palm branches. And Mark observes that Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he goes to the temple, he looks around, but by the time all of this had happened, it was getting late, And he and his disciples turned around and they left Jerusalem and they went back to Bethany. And then we we read in our passage this morning, Mark notes two prophetic prophetic actions that Jesus performs. The first is the cursing of the fig tree and the second is the cleansing of the temple. The fig tree serves as a metaphor in the Old Testament for Israel and it's standing before God. Jesus, in cursing the fig tree here, signifies God's judgment on Israel for its lack of fruitfulness, having turned away from God into empty ritual and legalism. Jesus also acts prophetically when he cleanses the temple. In Jesus' day, tables were set up in the temple courts where pilgrims would come and they would exchange their currencies from other areas for money in order to pay the annual temple tax. And there, for sale in the temple, were pigeons and doves and different animals and uh, salt and oil and various things that they could use for offerings in the temple. And so it kind of, the temple had become a rather a marketplace, sort of a business activity. The temple turned into sort of a a place of merchandise rather than uh, a house of prayer. And Jesus was zealous for his house to be honored as a place of worship. And all this happens throughout the course of a day. And then evening comes again and Jesus and the disciples again leave Jerusalem. They go back to Bethany. And the next day they get up and Peter notices as they walk along, he, he notices the fig tree that Jesus had cursed. And it's Jesus, look at the fig tree, it's withered. And Jesus says to him, he takes this opportunity to talk about prayer. He says, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when Jesus used that metaphor of the mountain being thrown into the sea, he was using a well-known Old Testament metaphor basically to express to the disciples, if you pray to God about anything that just seems impossible, if you believe in your heart, God, in fact, will grant that prayer. That's what he was trying to teach his disciples. So throughout the, Old Te- throughout the New Testament, Jesus stresses again and again the importance to have faith as we pray. He especially commends faith uh, in the New Testament when he sees it. In Matthew 8, Jesus commends the Roman centurion who comes to him. He comes to him because his servant is in great agony. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, my servant is ill. Would, would you please heal him? And Jesus said, of course, I'll come along with you. And Jesus said, no, no, Lord, don't come to my home. I'm not worthy for you to come into my home. But if you would just say the word, he'll be healed. And Jesus was astonished. And he said, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Go, and it will be done just as you believed it would. On another occasion, Jesus was moving along and there was a huge crowd around and people were pressing in on him. But somebody touched him and Jesus could feel power leaving his body. And Jesus stopped to acknowledge who it was that was touching him. And he acknowledged the woman and he said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. On another occasion... There were two blind men who were crying out along the roadside, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to heal you? And they said, Yes, Lord, we believe. And it says that Jesus touched their eyes and he said, According to your faith, it will be done to you. And their sight was restored. And we know, because we've read the stories in the New Testament again and again, Jesus commends faith when he sees it, and he says it's part of the healing process. But we also know, on the other hand, that God does not heal on every occasion. In fact, one of the most well-known stories in in the Bible, the greatest missionary who ever lived, a man full of faith, the Apostle Paul, Asked the Lord three times to heal him. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. And you know, Paul, the man who can take lemons and make it into lemonade like no one else in the world. Said to him, okay, Lord, if your grace is sufficient, then I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. And that's that's such an important lesson for us today. Because we glean a lot from Paul's understanding here. It reminds us that we all have limitations. We all have weaknesses. We're all broken. 
We can ask for prayer about different things. We may or may not see God move in the way that we want to see Him, but we can rest assured in faith that Christ's power will rest on us. In our weakness, He will make us strong. So as we go back to this passage in Mark this morning, Jesus not only stresses the role of faith, but he also stresses the role of forgiveness, which I think is probably one, one of the more underpreached uh, messages in the whole of Scripture. Jesus says in verse 25, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So just as faith is part of the healing process, so too is forgiveness. Unforgiveness blocks God's healing power. It's a serious impediment to our relationship with God and to healing. In fact, Jesus even says that our own forgiveness is linked to our willingness to forgive others. He makes that so clear in another place in the Bible. After his teaching on the Lord's Prayer in verses 14 and 15, he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you. So forgiveness is so critical to the healing process, both our emotional healing as well as our physical healing. In fact, medical science is just now catching up to this understanding of what Jesus taught 2,000 years ago. Watch this on the screen. Did you know that unforgiveness can actually make you sick? It's classified as a disease in medical books. Now, forgiveness therapy is being used to help treat diseases like cancer. Dr. Stephen Standiford, a cancer surgeon, says unforgiveness makes people sick and keeps them sick. It's important to treat emotional wounds or disorders um, because they really can hinder someone's reactions to the treatments, even someone's willingness to pursue treatment. Of all cancer patients, 61% have forgiveness issues, and of those, more than half are severe. That's according to research by Dr. Michael Berry, a pastor and the author of the book, The Forgiveness Project. These negative emotions, this anger and hatred, creates a state of chronic anxiety. Chronic anxiety very predictably produces adrenaline and cortisol, which, de- which deplete the production of natural killer cells, which is your body's foot soldier in the fight against cancer. When a person forgives from the heart, which of course is the gold standard that we use in Matthew 18, forgiveness from the heart, we find that they're, uh, they're able to find a sense of peacefulness, Uh, Quite often our patients refer to that as a feeling of lightness. Lori, we don't realize what a burden anger and hatred is until we let it go. And the first step in forgiveness therapy is recognizing forgiveness is not the same thing as condoning what a person did, which is the major hurdle for most patients. So it's interesting to me that as we consider healing... Jesus talks about the most, also, he talks about the the importance of faith, but he also talks about the importance of forgiveness and that our heart be in the right place. As I was doing some research here this week on this topic, I was kind of amazed at how many places in Scripture 
talk about either the confession of sin or forgiving somebody as part of the healing process. And so this morning, I want to invite up our elders, and our elders can come forward here this morning, and also folks that are on the prayer team. And I want to make mention of the passage in James 5.14, which says, um, if someone is sick, they should call the elders to come and pray for them, anoint them with oil and pray for them, and the, the prayer of faith will heal them. Now, it's interesting because when I've read that, I've often not connected the next verse. The next verse says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, and you'll be healed. In fact, just recently, I had a a friend of mine who came up to me and he said, um, he was in the midst of a service and he went up to someone for prayer and he confessed something, a struggle in his life. And God healed him of what that struggle was in that in that time of confession so what i think we're recognizing more and more in the just not of the larger community of not only the church but also in the church of the integration of our emotions and our physical well-being so i want to just say to you this morning in in a lot of ways um just like jesus said which is easier is it easier to forgive sins or heal someone I want to say to you, I, I think there are people out here that, that you may have something in your heart that you may need to be released from. You may need to just say, I, I need more of God's grace to forgive this person. And if you come forward and ask for prayer about that, you may experience an incredible release in your spirit that will do wonderful things in your life. So you may have something physical or emotional or spiritual this morning. You may think it's very small. But I just want to ask that you you not be concerned about the body. Because the body is here and the body loves you. And God is present here to heal, to save, and to redeem. So um, Margie's going to play some music. And if you would like prayer for healing, I want to invite you now to come forward. And for the rest of you, just stay and be in an attitude of prayer right now.